The South Congress podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the hosts and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Cameron Hawkins. I'm the host of the South Congress podcast, co-host of the Pro Wrestling Torch East Coast cast, and a regular contributor to uh, Pro Wrestling Torch, one of the longest professional wrestling newsletters and websites going. Some of you know who I am. Some of you have no idea who I am, and you've kind of stumbled upon this or somebody sent you to it. Um, How do I describe this? I'm someone with varying tastes. Um, I like pro wrestling, and I like hip-hop, and I like sci-fi, and I like to exercise, and I like to cosplay, just kind of all over the place. Um, I kind of consider myself, I guess, America's little brother, and something that everybody's little brother used to do is read books. Um... I went to the University of Texas. Uh, my degree is in English, so you know, just like everybody reads, I might read a little bit more. I'm fascinated by books and literature, and I wanted to add an additional show to my podcast feed that kind of encompassed that. Um, I love drawing attention to things I found interesting as a child and try to relate to them as an adult. So I, I guess the first thing I'll say even though I'm going to be talking about um, some themes and ideas from childhood, this is not a show to listen to with your children. Like, please don't <laughs> don't subject your children to this because there may be some language and uh, some themes and ideas that are brought out that don't really fit um, what you may want your kids to hear. So um, this is one of those things I've actually managed to keep secret from the majority of my friends, um, only like three people even know that I'm doing this. So um, I guess without further ado, um, if you know, you know, and I'll introduce the title of the show after this theme. If you didn't catch on by now, <laughs> I want to welcome everybody to the Goose Down, um, where I break down every single book in the Goosebump series. Um, <laughs> you know, I was born in 1985, so the first Goosebumps book came out uh, July 92. Um, I was in elementary school in Cheyenne, Wyoming, you know, at that point. Actually, I was still living in Maryland, uh, but I think when I first got 
my hands on a Goosebumps book. It was in Cheyenne. Um, I was in like a gifted and talented program. So I went to a different school and I think this existed at every school. So don't let me make it sound like this is like a special thing, but that Scholastic Book Fair. Man used to get that that little newspaper fold and they tell you all the new stuff that was coming out and you beg your parents for money so you can get, you know, 15 books. Just kind of a time of innocence. Um, you know, I remember Goosebumps first coming out and I used to love scary stories. Like I'm a kid who loved scary movies as you know, a child. Um, they didn't scare me so much as I found it interesting that people could come up with these ideas and weave these stories. And then with the movies, um, I thought it was really cool how, you know, how do you create this special effect to make this monster pop out or make this guy's eye fall out of his head? So it was always kind of in my wheelhouse. I used to love scary stories, telling in the dark, more scary stories, even more scary stories, just the illustrations and, and the, the ideas that they came up with, which is great to me. So I think everybody kind of had, you know, a love for Goosebumps. Um, Welcome to Dead House is where we're going to start. Um, the very first Goosebumps, Goosebumps book. And, you know, it was really more of an experiment than anything else. Like this is R.L. Stein's first Goosebumps book. And if you go back and read it, um, because, you know, I wanted to do research for this. So I went back and, and read the, uh, you know, all 123 pages. And it's just, it jumps off the page how like adult the themes are and kind of the underlying ideas of it. Um, you know, it's told from a child's perspective, but just things like uh, government cover-ups and pollution and stuff like that are like the key themes of these stories, you know, along with like, the loss of life and ghosts and zombies and feeding like it's it's a very heavy book you know for children um so i'd love for you to pause this episode and reread the story i think if this becomes a successful thing um i'll probably recommend hey you know read a read monster blood or read stay out of the basement or read attack of the mutant like before the episode so we can kind of do this together uh but yeah let's kind of just go over uh the story so it's set in a town called dark falls uh we kind of get the story from the perspective of amanda benson who's like a 12 year old girl um kind of a nuclear family it's amanda her little brother and her two parents so the story starts with uh the family actually inheriting uh, you know, a big house four hours away from where they live. And the dad uh, is like, what? the dad says, I, uh, I got it from a great uncle I didn't know I had. And my first thought, I was like, wow, that's some white people stuff right there. How do you not know that you have a great uncle? Like, which tells me white people have need to have more family reunions. So they can kind of sort this stuff out. Like, you should know if you have an uncle laying around somewhere or a little cousin you never met. But no, he's like, I have a great uncle who, uh, you know, is giving me this house. He croaked, I guess, and now I got the crib. And what's crazy about it, his goal in moving is that he wants to write, like, the great American novel, right? And I was like, wow, must be nice. <laughs> like, I don't know how many people can just do that in 2019. They're like, yo, I'm going to sell my old house 
And then uh, I'm going to sit in my new house and sit down and write this book and we won't have money problems anymore. I was like, damn, where was you living to where you can just sell your house and you won't have money problems? But then that kind of makes me wonder like, well, if you have it like that, then why are you even selling the house? But again, neither here nor there. This is a book written for kids, right? Um, So, of course, the kids don't want to move. And I related to this because when I was, uh, you know, eight years old. Uh, we are actually from Southern Maryland, and uh, my mother and stepfather were both military, and so they were actually stationed in Maryland. That's where they met. So my entire family, my mother's side and my father's side, is all from like the same Southern Maryland area. And you know, eight years old, they get orders, and I have to up and move. So I immediately related to this idea of you know I don't want to leave my friends, I don't leave my family. I know everybody here. Why would I want to leave? Um, and one of the cool things I, I related to with Amanda was that she has a friend um, named Catherine. I, I want to say somebody get me right if I'm wrong on that. But they were best friends and they promised to always stay in touch and to visit each other on their birthdays. And I was immediately like, that's some bullshit. Their parents ain't going to let them do that. Like parents are smart and they encourage you to move on from your childhood friends because, you know, even as adults, your friends tend to change. Um But yeah, so I immediately related to the idea of moving. And I think the most interesting character in the book is her little brother, Josh, who is like a super stubborn kid who doesn't go along with anything unless it's pretty much his idea. So that was it was really good to kind of see him get along. Um, And of course, they have a dog named Petey, who is the best dog in the world because he recognized, you know, the danger that they were kind of facing early on. So, you know, they they moved to this town and. um Four hours away from where they live doesn't seem to be anybody really around whenever they look. And they're actually right up to the house with their real estate agent, which is a guy named Compton Dawes, which would have immediately gave me pause because, I mean, even Amanda asked him, she's like, yo, is that like a family name? He was like, no, I'm the only one that has as far as I know. Like anybody who has a name like a Compton or a Comstock or Ebenezer or anything like that, you got to automatically be weary from because they might be time travelers and they might be vampires. You never know. So uh, Amanda's immediately like he was a young man, but he was 33. And it's really interesting for her to be 12 and to recognize somebody as being young because like I'm 33 right now and kids think I'm old as hell. So, um, you know, he must have used his just for men the right way. So um, the house is big and creepy and, you know, they start to kind of move stuff in every once in a while. Like Amanda sees some eyes staring out the window or she sees a kid in the hallway. Um, and so she's freaked out. And R.L. Stein, this is when he starts to develop this style of almost at the end of every chapter, there would be a situation where like something really spooky is going on. Uh, we didn't we, we didn't know it was coming or not, but this would be the last time that we uh, saw ice in the freezer or stuff like that. Like he's, he's really good at kind of drawing that attention. So it's not really scary, but it's more eerie than anything else. Um, but yeah, like Amanda was seeing like kids in doorways and kids in halls and she would all of a sudden feel a breeze in her room when there was no breeze. So, you know, kind of stuff like that. So um, as the story progresses, Josh, her little brother, who is super stubborn, does not want to get out of the car. And he's like, nah, me and the dog are staying. And they eventually go outside. But then when the family comes back out, they can't find them. So they get in the car with Compton Dawes. They ride around. They're looking for Josh. They're looking for Petey. They're not anywhere. And then there's no people around either. Like They don't see anybody. 
So they eventually find Josh chasing Petey through a graveyard. So he's in the cemetery sniffing around and barking. And they say Petey never does stuff like this. Like he's actually a pretty chill dog. Uh, But, you know, again, stories like this, dogs always sense the evil or something wrong, like a crazy smell. Like I'm sure zombies got to smell like ass. Like it has to be just a a terrible smell. Um, But yeah, so they gather up the dog, they gather up Josh and the whole thing is like, okay, well, I'll let you guys get settled. So Compton tells him. I'll come back later with the, um, you know, with the contracts and we can sell the house and like dad stress because nobody wants to buy their old house at this point. Um, they never described like anything wrong with the old house. I don't know what the housing market was in like 1991. I know it wasn't, you know, bad as when I was graduating college, but I think the houses were going for a fair price. So nobody really wanted their stuff. So as they're getting settled in, they eventually, you know, want to go play outside. And uh, actually before that, um, Kathy is actually um, her best friend's name. And she comes over right before they end up settling on the house because they end up going back to where they live uh, before they sign the papers. And that's when they have the conversation about, yo, it's only four hours away. Like we'll always see each other. Like it won't be an issue. So Amanda notices the next day, like when they're driving back to the place, it's like really dreary and really dark. And she keeps seeing kids in the house when she tries to sleep. Um, she keeps hearing things that aren't there and like it's really creeping her out. So eventually they end up uh, going to play outside and they see like a kid on the block and, you know, his name is Ray. Ray's kind of strange, but Ray is cool, you know, so he encourages them um, to play with the other kids. Now, what Amanda notices is that, like, it's dark outside and it's cloudy outside when all this is going on. So um, they end up seeing other kids on the street. Like she meets like a nice girl. Um, They end up being friends. And she notices like when they're all like talking and gathering around and starting to play, she feels like the kids are like closing in on her. And so she's getting like super nervous. Um, And then Compton Dawes comes back around and like the kids scatter and it's no real issue. Um, And she notices the only time the kids seem to be playing is when it's like a really like gross outside. And whenever like the sunlight's out, she can't find anybody around. So what she ends up finding eventually, because I think Petey gets off again and they end up uh, chasing him back to the graveyard. So Amanda starts to read the gravestones and she sees that it ends up being Ray's name on one of the gravestones. And so he's like, yo, you weren't supposed to find out this way. She's like, word, find out what? Yo, everybody in that town is dead. Basically, something something happened at the uh, whatever plant the city was running on killed everybody right and so some type of way they have the wherewithal or you know access to the postal service (laughs) to where they send out information to a family saying hey your great uncle or great aunt such and such left some information saying that you have this house and once a year they have to feed on people and it's the only way they can stay alive 
wild shit, right? So Ray ends up attacking Amanda in the cemetery because he's like, yo, I'm the watcher. Like, I'm the one. Like, basically, if you ever worked in fast food, like, he's the guy that they put, you know, on fries. He's got to watch the timer so the fries don't get too crispy, right? The family was the fries. But he ended up lifting before he was supposed to because now they know what's going on. So he's about to pull up on Amanda. Like, Amanda's about to be out of there. Ray is going to get her. How about Josh shined a light on Ray and Ray disintegrated and became bones like kind of like vampires but not necessarily so he was out in there when that light hit him right man come to find out that whatever Petey was digging up on now Petey's a zombie so they got a zombie dog so they're like yo can't deal with this so then they end up going back to the crib and then all the kids pull up on them and that's when they tell him, yo, nobody's dead. Like, this is what we got to do to get people here. Mr. Dawes pulls up and then all the kids are all of a sudden gone. And he's like, yo, I know this town is crazy. I found your parents. We got to go get them because their parents got invited to a dinner party. So when I remembered that, I was like, yo, the dinner party is going to be crazy. They're definitely spiking the Kool-Aid with people sauce. Um, take from that what you will. So then they find their parents and he said he's going to take them to them. They end up going back to the graveyard and then they see the gravestone that says Compton Dawes. So if anybody's ever seen like uh, the Lost Boys, how it end up being uh, the old school dude who was ahead of all the vampires. That's what I related it to. But yeah, apparently like a yellow gas escaped from a factory went all throughout the town. And that's what made everybody zombies. Right. So Josh is like, yo, okay, we're going to get him with the light, too. So Josh is trying to hit the light, hit the light, hit the light. Flashlight broke. So Mr. Dawes is pulling up on him. Josh, being the smart kid he is, he just hit him in the head with it. And, yo, he cracked his head to the white meat because then he died, too. Right. So um, what they do is they got their two parents like tied up underneath this big tree and the reason that they kind of habitate around the tree, it's hooked over to where it blocks any light that's coming in. So that's when they're at their strongest. So Amanda and Josh summon up all their strength. They knock the tree over and yell, all the zombies die right then. I don't know why, <laughs> but they literally still took the time to pack up all their stuff and leave. I wouldn't have packed up shit. It's time to go. Like, we escaped the zombies. We don't know what else is cracking out here, but we're good. I'm just going to drive off. I'm going to send for the movers to go get my stuff later. I want no more problems with that house, right? When I tell you, they pulled off from the crib, and then they saw somebody else pulling up. And in the distance, they end up seeing another Mr. Dawes summoning up a family. Showing them the house, getting ready to sign off on the papers. So they never really explain like the timeline, but it seems like right, you can't break this cycle. Like this yellow gas was so strong that it's going to do that to every family that shows up forever. And it's going to be a repeating cycle, repeating cycle. Now, I do applaud them for minding their business, though. Like maybe they go tell the police sometime. Maybe they tell the government or something. But in the moment, I don't know if it was really like wise to be like, yo, we got to save that family, too. Y'all made it out. 
sometimes you just got to go when you got to go. I've watched enough Walking Dead to know sometimes you just got to save yourself unless you want to end up in the in memoriam credits of The Walking Dead. So, yeah, um, welcome to Dead House. That's, you know, the first one, which you'll notice as the series goes on, it does become like a bit less dire, a bit less serious because like this was genuinely like eerie. So I can imagine, you know, me reading that as seven, eight year old me and how I would have internalized that. Again, the biggest takeaways are like, wow, is he really writing about like like the evils of a corporate cover up as his inaugural book in a children's series? Yeah. So, um, you know, I plan on doing this for every single issue uh, of Goosebumps. Um, the next episode is going to be uh, Stay Out of the Basement, which, you know, I started rereading. And, you know, as somebody who grew up on like Swamp Thing, this is super interesting to me um, to revisit. Um yeah, if you have any uh, questions or comments, feel free to shoot me an email at southcongress at gmail.com. That's South Congress with a K, southcongress at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Seahawk. That's C E E H A W K. And you can also uh, follow South Congress on Facebook. You can just search uh, South Congress. Um, be sure to give us a like. And if you like the show, um, please recommend it to your friends. Like, I'm really excited to take this time to kind of revisit my childhood and uh, go over goosebumps. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining me on the first episode of The Goose Down. Uh, my name is Cameron, and again, thank you for your time. Want to support the show? Want a specific topic, comic, show, or movie discussed? Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. Visit patreon.com slash Seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show.